Good morning. I spent the last 10 minutes looking for my phone. It was up here, so. <laughs> it's good to have you guys come out. I'm so glad that you're here. Um, if you open up your Bibles as we enter into week number six, the heart of ministry, we're going to be in Philippians chapter two. We'll be in a couple places, and I'll reference them as we continue. Philippians chapter two. Verses 5 through 8. Now, this Sunday, we're going to start the book of Philippians. And uh, as we finish Galatians, we start a new book, Philippians. And one of the reasons that I want to do it, because the Lord really put on my heart uh, the book of Philippians, because it's a book of joy. And uh, I think that what has happened, particularly even over the last couple of years, um, is a lot of Christians have lost their joy, and we can do that very easily. And matter of fact, next week, we're going to talk about joy in ministry, but uh, we're going to talk about uh, this section here that speaks of humility. So I'm really looking forward to going through Philippians, talking more about this joy, rejoicing in the Lord, humility of mind. Those are the two major themes of the book. Uh, then we'll do Colossians, and then we'll probably do a book of the Old Testament as we travel through the year. But Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8, a familiar portion of scripture. The apostle, he's writing from prison, chained to a Roman guard, and he writes this, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. So, Father, as we talk about humility, Lord, it's a very important characteristic that we are to have and the kind of heart that we're to have. Even as Paul says, let this be the mind of, uh, that we are to have. Uh, be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, the ultimate example of one who moved in, out and lived in humility, God himself coming in the person of, of Jesus Christ and coming and becoming a man, not just a man, but a servant, who declared that he would be the servant of all and then obedient to the death on the cross. I pray that you would work that humility in us because naturally we, we there's something in us that we want to be noticed. We want to to be patted on the back. We, we want to maybe be exalted. And Lord, uh, I just pray in this regenerative heart, being born again, that we would die to self, that we would um, be humbled, that we wouldn't try to lord over others or be noticed. And we live in a culture where uh, fame is admired, uh, being noticed, uh, exalting oneself. Might makes right is, is the philosophy. But Lord, we know that we're to be of a humility and be of um, a servant's heart. So just bless this time as we talk about these things and look at Scripture and how uh, we are to be humbled in our service to you and our life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So humility really is a very important characteristic that we're to have. And and in this series that I've been doing, uh, the next three weeks, number one is, is having humility. 
and then having joy and then loving others in ministry, I think is very important for us if we, we want to continue to minister and be ministers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it, it's not just here in, in the body of Christ, but serving others, maybe even when it comes to our family. And I think that as we talk about these important things, that it can be missed in the church so much today because the church today, one of the, the things that I've talked to the staff about is when we do social media or we do anything in that kind of way, um, not just advertising the church. You know, we're a great church and you can't miss this and, and, and we do all these things and, and I, I, I haven't got it all figured out. I want to advertise the gospel. I want to advertise Jesus Christ. I don't want to advertise a person. I don't want to advertise a name. I don't want to exalt a name. But as we think about these things, having humility is a very important characteristic that we're to have in our Christian lives and in ministry. And a definition of humility is the absence of pride or arrogance. That's one definition. Proverbs, as you read the book of Proverbs, in I would encourage you. I read Proverbs all the time in the Psalms. I go back to those two books almost daily. And Proverbs tells us a lot about the one who has pride. And it's not good in the eyes of the Lord. And we know the verse in Proverbs that says that pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. We know that it was the sin of Lucifer who became prideful in the book of Isaiah that he was one that exalted himself and wanted to be like God, um, and he would fall and become Satan. Uh, it's a terrible sin, pride is. And we know that there have been those who have lost their ministry because pride began to creep in to their lives, and it began to spread, and it began to grow, and they became arrogant. They became very prideful. We know Proverbs chapter 16, verse 5 tells us that every proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Proverbs chapter 21, a proud and haughty man, scoffer is his name. And you can go and, and read Proverbs 28, verse 25. He who is proud, you know, has a proud heart, stirs up strife. And we can, you know, certainly have that pride come in, especially when people notice your ministry, when people notice what it is that you're doing in life. And it begins to build up. And it begins to spread and it begins to affect our lives and our character and how we treat others and, and our mindset. So here, Paul the Apostle, he writes, let this mind be in you. And that's a term that we will read repeatedly in the book of Philippians. Let this mind be in you, which is in Christ Jesus. And, and Paul wants us to have the mind of Christ as he tells us of the ultimate example of Jesus Christ who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself with no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. Now that's an amazing couple of verses. And really think about here the creator of the universe, the one who is above all, that he humbled himself, coming in the form of a bondservant. Most of you know what a bondservant is, one who's just willing to serve their master. He comes in a form of a bondservant, coming in the likeness of man, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. And then he humbled himself to the point of that he was obedient to the death on the cross. That, to me, is amazing. When you really let that sink in, that the creator of all the universe would humble himself, become a man, I think of that one who came to Jesus. 
And he said that I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said, really? Because foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And he came to be the servant of all. So that is the mind that we're to have of humbling ourselves to serve others. And if Jesus is the ultimate example, how much more? A servant isn't above his master. And as we look at this, um, I think it's important reminders. It is for me. Uh, we need to be like David who, who presented his heart to the Lord every day and said, Lord, search me and try me is what he writes in the psalm. See if there's any wicked way in me. Uh, lead me to the way everlasting. And I think it's real important for us to have that check of, Lord, am I becoming prideful? Am I becoming arrogant? It starts out very subtle. Uh, we know that um, we can uh, say to, you know, maybe your son or your daughter, I'm proud of you. People have asked me about that. Can, can we say that? Is that okay? Um, you, you know, we can be proud of the hard work that they did or the accomplishment that uh, they did or the good grade that they got. But it's different than having a prideful spirit and a prideful heart, having pride and, and being haughty, thinking you're better than others, thinking you're superior than others. Arrogant, that simply has the meaning of thinking more highly of yourself, of importance. And the Bible warns against those characteristics that they should not be prevalent in our lives. To have that kind of heart. We're to be humble of heart. And why do we humble ourselves? I'm going to give you four things to, to jot down here uh, in this session. Number one, I've already mentioned it because it is the mind of Christ. It is the mind of Christ. This is not a suggestion. This is the mind to be in you, um, which is also in Christ Jesus, who humbled himself. And being found in appearance of a man, obedient to the point of death, the death on the cross. And as we consider that, here is, we will see when we go through the book of Philippians, this is a continuation of what he writes in the first four verses of chapter 2. And that is, there was a problem in the church of Philippi. There was some dissension that was going on. We'll talk more about it when we get into the epistle. And, and at the end of chapter 1, the apostle writes, let your conduct be worthy of the gospel. And that really sets the tone for chapter 2 as we go into chapter 2. And he says, if there is any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, any fellowship, verse 1 of chapter 2 of the Spirit, any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded. So again, he's saying that unity is going to come together by being like-minded and like-minded um, has the, the takes on having the same love, being of one accord, one mind. And in verses 3 and 4, I think if, if we as Christians would follow verses 3 and 4, humble ourselves, 90% of the problems in the church would be gone. I think over 90% of the problems between individuals would would um, be, you know, solved and, and um, be restored, those relationships uh, that get severed and strained. But let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in loneliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself, and let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. And then he gives the ultimate example of let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who humbled himself. So we're not to do anything with selfish ambition or conceit. There's nothing wrong with ambition. But when it becomes selfish, that's where the problem comes in. 
where I'm going to do this so I can exalt myself or lord over others or I want to see how you know people how great I am. We don't want to take on conceit. Uh, conceit takes on pride in oneself. Uh, I'm going to just do it for those reasons. But we need to do things in our lives according to how Christ would have us to his word and the things that please him. And here's the thing about being prideful. It keeps us from really um, focusing on the Lord. The focus becomes us. We're to be other esteem. Pride looks out for you. It looks out for you. It looks out for me and not for others. So we are to look out for not only, you know, the interests of others. We can look out for our own interests, but others-centered as well, to look out for the interests of others. And we're not to be selfish or be conceited. So after we read here in verses 5 through 8, we see that then that Christ was exalted. And the Bible says that God resists the proud and he, he exalts the humble. And we want to be ones, and Proverbs talks a lot about this as well, is that let God exalt you in due time, not ourselves. I'm going to do something to, um, to you know, exalt myself, to be seen, to, to really lord over others. Um, I'm going to think only of me. I'm going to be me-centered rather than other-centered. Uh, I'm going to be conceited. And then we think that's the way to to be exalted. And that's not pleasing in the eyes of the Lord at all. Let him exalt you in due time. And he says in the scriptures that as we humble ourselves, that he will exalt us and he resists the the proud. So number one, it's the mind of Christ. And then second of all, it's the way to be great in the kingdom of God when we have humility. You can turn to the book of Matthew, chapter 18. Again, it's a familiar portion of Scripture. Jesus is getting closer to go to the cross. He's only actually a few months away. And the disciples, they kind of had this problem. They were starting to argue who is the greatest. Who's the greatest in the kingdom? And we know that as you look at the Synoptic Gospels, particularly, it tells us several times that the disciples are on the road They're arguing about who's the greatest. And I'd love to listen to that conversation that they were having. Can you imagine, you know, Peter's kind of like going, well, you know, he gave me the keys to the kingdom. Not you guys. So I'm the greatest. Or I walked on water. Or, you know, the other disciples trying to to make the case that they're the great ones and, and you know, Jesus is going to exalt me. We know, we're going to read in a little bit, that James and John, their mother, came and said, hey, can they be number one and number two in your kingdom? So they had this problem as well. These guys are walking with Jesus. So they're asking him, and they would ask him, how is it that we become the greatest? Let's read it in verse 1. The disciples came to Jesus saying, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus answers them. He doesn't get mad at them and say, you know, you guys are so selfish. And I'm going to go to the cross here in just a few months. Um, He doesn't rebuke them, but he answers them. 
And that just shows the patience of our Lord. He wants them to learn these things about, uh, he knows that we can become very prideful. Um, we can try to exalt ourselves. And so he answers them by saying, as he calls a little child to him, set him in the midst of them, and said, as surely I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as his little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever receives one of these, uh, these childs like this in my name receives me. So he answers in a couple ways. That you must come to, in childlike faith um, to enter the kingdom of God. Not childish, but childlike faith. And even coming to Christ, we had to humble ourselves, didn't we? I can't save myself. I'm not you know, one that, that can bring salvation to me or be good enough. We had to humble ourselves and say, I need the Savior of the world Jesus Christ, and I need to surrender my heart to him. I need to give my life to him. So that takes humility in that childlike faith. And Lord, you did the work, and you rose from the grave. I am to come in faith and surrender my life to you. So there is a humbling and childlike faith coming to Christ. But then after that, we're to continue in uh, being humbled. And he says, whoever receives one of these little ones is greatest in the kingdom of God. And I just wonder who was that little child. Some have suggested that perhaps it was Peter's son. Now, we don't know for sure. We wouldn't build a doctrine around that. But Peter was married. We know that for sure. Maybe this was in Peter's house that they were meeting. So maybe it was Peter's son. But it was a child that was there in Capernaum. And he uses that child and sets that child in front of him and says, if you want to be great in the kingdom, then receive one of these little ones. Now, that speaks a lot to me, especially in the day in which we're in, because it goes back to what I was talking about with social media and all that. Churches can be real good and pastors can be real good. And I don't want to judge the motives of the pastors doing this, but somebody comes to church and, you know, they got... A name. They're they're important in the community. They maybe have some fame, and they they like to bring them up front. And, and here's so and so, and uh, and particularly where where they can really get messy is when somebody who has fame or somebody who is well known, and they just became a Christian, and they can't wait to bring them up front. So and so comes to my church. Here's so-and-so and speaking, and people are clapping and all that. And we know that Jesus also spoke about having the best seats and all this. Paul would write in Galatians, remember, that there are those who have reputation, but he said it makes no difference to me, <laughs> you know, because the foot of the cross is flat. God shows personal favoritism to no one. And I also think it's very unwise when somebody who has fame or is well-known to bring them up front to speak when they haven't even been established in their faith. And, and pretty soon they go off the grid or they get weird and all these other things rather than we want to disciple this one. We, we want to make sure that they get grounded in the Word of God. But churches can do that. Well, you know, so-and-so comes to my church, really. But very few of us can have the mindset of, you, you know, little Tommy comes to my church. Tommy? Who's Tommy? You know, the little kid running out there in the hallway, runny nose? <laughs> you see what I mean? And those children are so important to the Lord. 
And I pray for us that none of us would ever have the mindset of, you know, I'm so important that I'm not willing to bring a cup of water to a child or to wipe that runny nose or to serve them. Or for me even, as the senior pastor, you see, for me to be the senior pastor means I'm to be the servant of all. That I think that uh, I don't want to, you know, children, you stay in your part, I'll be here. I want those kids to see me. I want them to, to know that, that I'm here not just ministering to the parents, but that, you know, I care for them as well. Because I know this, being in longevity in ministry 27 years here, those kids grow up. And they become adults. And they start to have problems. And I want them to know that their pastor is here, has been seen. And those kids are such a treasure. They're so important to the Lord. And I am, I am just so blessed by your kids coming, by the children's ministry, what Angie and Barbara and the others are going to be doing tonight and ministering to the kids so the parents can go out and have a night out and have a few hours, you know, to enjoy the evening. But never have the mindset of this ministry is below me. And one of the things that, that I have tried to instill with me and even with the staff, if there's a mess in the bathroom and you see it, then clean it up. Or if there's trash out in the parking lot, you pick it up. But I'm not going to run to somebody else and say, can you pick up that trash? I'm picking up trash all the time. The people that come in the parking lot, you know, and they throw the beer bottles, you know, out in the parking lot and sweeping up glass or trash or whatever it may be. And I'm not saying that to say, oh, look at Pastor Jeff. He's so humble. Because there is a false humility that Colossians chapter 2 speaks of. I'm just saying having humility is receiving a child. Be willing to serve in the opportunities that God has given to you. And no ministry is, is insignificant to the Lord. Whether it's ministering to kids, whether it's making a meal for somebody, it's cleaning, it's shoveling snow, it's whatever the case may be. That here Jesus says, receive one of these little ones. It's going to be the great in the kingdom. We know in chapter 20, and let me read it to you. Again, a very important uh, chapter in verse 25. Again, he, he's speaking to them. This is when the sons of Zebedee's mom came and said, you know, can my son sit on your left and on your right hand? And Jesus would say to his disciples after he said, you don't know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm going to drink and the baptism which I'm baptized with? And so he talks to them about that. But in verse 25, Jesus called them to himself, verse, uh, chapter 20 of Matthew. And he said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And I always try to keep that. For me to be the pastor doesn't mean I lord over others. There were the ones who were calling themselves most eminent apostles and prophets that were coming into the church of Corinth. You read this in Second Corinthians. And they were lording over the Christians. 
And Paul would write about that. These guys lord over you. They love doing that. They, they were even punching the people in the face. He says, you put up with it. And Paul would say, we're not here to rule over you. you. We're here to, to be helpers of your joy. And in the position that I have, yes, there's responsibilities that I have. And there are times where, you know, I have to make decisions or, or deal with things that, that aren't always easy. But I don't ever want to get to the point of lording over others. Greatness is in serving others. And he says here in Matthew's gospel, as you read the chapter, to be first, you have to be last. That's not the way of the world. The way of the world is the Lord over. The way of the world is be noticed. The way of the world is, is exalt yourself. And might makes right. And I have rights. And, and I am going to fight for those rights. And I am not going to humble myself. But one way, and I've said this before, that you can really tell if you have a servant's heart is how do you react when you are treated like a servant? How do you react when, when you're asked to do something or you have opportunity to serve somebody? Is it, no, you know, I'm not going to serve you or this is beneath me. I, I want to lord over others. I want to be noticed by others all the time. That's not the way of the Lord. So number one, we know that having humility, that is the mind of Christ, the ultimate example, Philippians chapter 2. Uh, number two, it's the way to be great in the kingdom of God, Matthew chapter 18 and chapter 20. Then thirdly, you can write, humility means washing feet. That's what ministry is about. It's washing feet. And of course, in that uh, upper room, we know that as Jesus is going to spend his last evening with the disciples, they come in. And Luke's gospel tells us what were they doing. They're fighting about who's the greatest in the kingdom. This is graduation night, guys. <laughs> and he's been talking to them about, I'm going to go to Jerusalem, be handed over to the chief priests and elders, and then I'm going to be put to death. They had no clue what was going on. And it's graduation night. They're coming in, and they're still arguing who's going to be the greatest, continuing this argument uh, and this discussion from Matthew chapter 18 right before Jesus goes to the cross. And again, I would think if I was Jesus, I'd be upset. Don't you guys get, get what's going on? Don't you understand what's going on? I'm about ready to die here in a few hours, a terrible death. But he doesn't do that. Again, he ministers to them. And as they came in, we know from John's gospel, the uproom discourse, that he washed their feet. He girded himself with the towel. He washed each of their feet. He said, do this as an example that I have done. This is how you become great, is washing feet. But I just wonder, as they came in and they saw the basin of water, you know, the pitchers of water, and they saw the towels that were there, if they were wondering, okay, who's going to wash whose feet? Who's going to do the feet washing? Because that was customary back then. I bet it's, it's, it's got to be John. He's the youngest one. Or it's got to be Peter. He's kind of stuck his foot in his mouth lately. He's going to be the one that Jesus is going to say, you, you wash feet. But it was Jesus himself that did that. Again, the creator of the universe, getting ready to go and suffer for our sins, who girded himself with a towel and washed the feet of the disciples. Listen, humility means that you're willing to wash feet. You're willing to wash feet. 
And, you know, every year, you know, churches do feet washing, you know, at, you know, mundane Thursday services, and there's nothing wrong with that. But that wasn't put in the scriptures, so we can just do that for, you know, Holy Week. It is something that we're to do that continually is washing feet. And if Jesus did it, then we are to do it as well. So that is what we're to do. It means humility, washing feet. And then fourthly, humility will keep you from, and I got a number of things. Humility will keep you from stumbling others. When somebody becomes very prideful in the body of Christ, it really stumbles others. And one of the things that I have learned is that People can be very gracious when it comes to, you know, our shortcomings. They can be very gracious to me because, you know, I don't have the mind of a great administrator. I'm not a great computer user. Um, I, I, I don't, there are certain gifts that I don't have. And that's okay. But one thing that really will stumble people if I start to become arrogant and I start to become prideful. And, and this is hard for me to, to teach on in a way because I know there have been times where, you know, that pride starts to creep in and, and going home and, uh, you know, things are happening, you know, because I had this great sermon and the Lord's like, no, come down. It is me. I'm just using you. Listen, if I can use a donkey to speak God's word, you know, then I'm using you. And, uh, and always giving the glory to the Lord because the Lord will not share his glory with any man or any woman and just be thankful. And a key to humility is being thankful for what the Lord is doing in our lives and, and being thankful that he would even use me and allow me to be the pastor of this church and the years of ministry is by his grace. And that keeps me humble as I remember that. Lord, it is you that gets the glory. It is you that's working in me, both the will and to do of your good pleasures. But if we become prideful and it starts to be known and it starts to be seen, then it begins to really stumble others in the body of Christ. Second of all, humility will keep you from meddling to your own hurt. And I want to read to you from Second Chronicles chapter 25. 2 Chronicles chapter 25 because you might be thinking, what do you mean meddling to your own hurt? You start to become more confident in yourself than what you really should be. And we know that Romans chapter 12 says that you are to not think more highly of yourself than you ought to. That's how you live for Christ. That's how you become a, a, a living sacrifice to the Lord. Uh, the very first thing he, he says is don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to. Remember the book of Galatians that we read in Galatians just recently in, as we were in the last chapter, Galatians chapter 6, that we need to make sure that we, um, you know, that we are to not be looking at everybody else, um, that we are to be ones, let one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another so what that means is that you're not so busy comparing yourself to everyone else and thinking I'm better. Listen, stay in your lane. You, you've heard that term. Stay in your lane. Do what God has called you to do. Examine your own work. Am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Am I where I'm supposed to be? And, and you're not so busy comparing yourself to other people. One of the things that will really either 
cause you to be prideful or really tear you down and bum you out is if you compare yourself to others. You know, why aren't I as smart as them? Why aren't I as gifted as them? Why don't I have this ministry that they have? And you're comparing yourself to others, and I'll tell you what, that will kill your ministry. And that will just really begin to mess with you. Because there's always somebody who's a lot better. Usually it's a lot of people that are a lot more. And then we get on social media. And we see that person is like, man, they got all this following. They seem so gifted. Why aren't I that? You know, why don't me, me, me? And we just begin to get the focus rather than fixing our eyes on Jesus, as we talked about last week, running our race with endurance. And just, Lord, this is where you have me, and I'm thankful for it. And I just want to move forward in humility and just in confidence that you're working and you're going to complete that work that you began in me. But if you become confident, if you become arrogant, and we see this in people's lives that are well known, you're going to meddle to your own herd eventually. And as I made reference to Second Chronicles chapter 25, getting back to that, let me read to you about um, Israel defeating Judah. Amaziah was the king of Judah. He had just defeated the Edomites. And there's a lot that's in chapter 25. And what happened was, first of all, that the Lord brought him victory. And then he takes the the idols of the Edomites and begins to worship them. Now, pretty foolish, isn't it? And he then, in his pride, he sent word to Joash, the son of Jehoahaz, the son of Jehu, king of Israel, saying, Come, let us face one another in battle. And Joash, king of Israel, sent Amaziah, king of Judah, saying, The thistle that was in Lebanon sent to the cedar that was in Lebanon, saying, Give your daughter to my son as wife. And a wild beast that was in Lebanon passed by and trampled the thistle. Indeed, verse 19, you say that you have defeated the Edomites, and your heart is lifted up to boast. Stay at home now. Why should you meddle with trouble that you should fall, you and Judah with you? So in other words, Amaziah, he's feeling pretty good about himself. I defeated the Edomites. It was brutal. It was a strong victory. And he sends word up to Israel and says, now I want to take you on. So the king of Israel sends word to him and pretty much says, enjoy your victory. You know, stay at home, but don't do battle with us. Don't meddle to your own hurt. And what happened is, Amaziah, verse 20, would not heed, for it came from God that he might give him into the hands of the enemies, because he sought the gods of Edom. So Joash, king of Israel, went out. He and Amaziah, king of Judah, faced one another at Beth Shemesh, which belongs to Judah. Those of you who are going to Israel with this, I might read this text when we go to Beth Shemesh. And we'll stop there, and we'll go out and have a Bible study there. But And Judah, who defeated Israel by every man, fled to his tent. And Joash, the king of Israel, captured Amaziah, king of Judah, the son of Joash, at Beth Shemesh. And he brought him to Jerusalem, broke down the wall of Jerusalem from the gate of Ephraim to corner gate, 400 cubits. And he took all the gold and silver and articles that were found in the house of God with Obed-Edom, the treasures of the king's house and hostages, and returned to Samaria. And then Amaziah was done in by his own people. Listen, he meddled to his own hurt. He moved forward in something he shouldn't have because he had more confidence in himself 
than he should have had. And the confidence was in him. The confidence was not in the Lord. And God will not share, as I said, his glory with any man or any woman. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before fall. And that's exactly what happened. That truth that is given to us is given to us in this illustration that he fell big time because he meddled to his own hurt. And maybe there's been a time in your life, I know that there has, you know, in my own life where, you know, I thought, I'm going to take this on. I can do this. You know, I'm feeling good about myself. And the Lord's saying, don't do it. And I moved forward in it and fell flat on my face because the confidence was in me and not in the Lord. So we want to have humility seeking the Lord. Lord, what is it that you want me to do? And not meddle to our own hurt, having more confidence in ourselves. And this can happen in a lot of different ways. I've had, you know, guys, you know, come into my office and say, you know, they were asking me to come and have some beers after work. And I went there and I thought, I can go there, I can handle it, and I'll speak verses to them, and I'll witness to them. And they end up going into that pub or that bar, and just going to go in for a little bit, maybe play a little pool, whatever. And they end up coming out smelling like booze, embarrassing themselves, saying things that they shouldn't have, you know, doing things that they shouldn't have. And they come, and they're just grieved by it. And it's like you meddle to your own hurt. There are certain things that we don't do and there are certain places that we don't go that will end up causing us because in our own confidence and our own pride, we think we can handle it. So we always got to be very careful. I hope you understand what this here is illustrating to us. Be careful. I know for, for me to be careful. And there are times where, yeah, we need to step out in faith. And, but, Lord, it's, I got confidence in you. You're leading me. You're guiding me in this. But I don't want to, in my own arrogance and pride, move out and meddle to my own hurt. And then uh, we've already talked about thinking more highly of yourself than you ought to um, is third. And then fourthly, in humility keeps you from Galatians chapter 6, being judgmental. And thinking you're better than others. Examine your own works. I just read that verse to you. Um, and that will cause us to, you know, just want to lord over others. And I'm better than others. Examine your own works. Lord, what am I to do? And Lord, thank you for this ministry. And to pray for others in their ministry. And if God's blessing somebody in their ministry, be thankful for that and trust in the Lord and know that he's going to bless you as well. And that'll keep us from falling into sin. Examine your own work. Don't think you're better than anybody else. And that is a real key for any of us, you know, in humility that's in ministry. Um, Over the years, 30 years of ministry, Pastor Chuck used to tell us at the conferences, you guys, listen, be humble. Be humble before the Lord. And he was a man of great humility. I mean, his ministry, the father of the Jesus movement, was known all over the world. And I never detected any ounce of just arrogance from him. Like, I'm famous. You know, I'm well known. He's like, you know, men, stay away from the gold. Stay away from the glory and stay away from the girls. I mean, he would tell us as men that. Because those three things will, will destroy your ministry. Live simply. Do your ministry. Quit looking and comparing yourself to others. 
Because you go to a conference and, you know, here's so-and-so and, you know, this huge ministry and thousands of people out in California. And I remember just feeling overwhelmed and going to that first pastor's conference when the first year we were church. And I got a, I got a church of 50, 50. You're not really a church. And no one said that, but you just kind of feel like that's what they're going to say. And be confident in what the Lord is doing in your life and be thankful for that and you just keep, you know, doing what God has called you to do. And don't compare yourself to others. Don't think you're better than others. And then you keep in ministry with a humble heart. Staying humble before the Lord. And one of the things that, again, as we close here, that I need to be careful of in the season that I'm in, being in ministry 30 years, is I start thinking, I know what I'm doing. I've been through this. I got confidence myself. Now, you do learn a lot <laughs> in the years of ministry. Just like as we get older, as you're a parent, you learn, you grow in being a parent. Or in your job, you, you learn, you grow in that. And it, just like we can grow in ministry. But I don't want to ever think that I know it all. And I can't learn anymore. Or I can't learn from them. I'm thankful for what the Lord has done, but I know he wants to do more, and I need his help. I need his help. And, Lord, I want to be humbled, and I want to just look to you for the work that you want to do and being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work will bring it to completion. So he puts in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. He's going to complete that work. There's no reason for us to be prideful. Amen. And to be thankful to the Lord and humbly serve others. And as we are humble, you know, then we're going to be more effective in ministry. We really are. And I pray that there's a humility that is here in this church. Because sometimes what can happen with churches is they can become prideful. Well, we're better than everybody else. We're bigger. You know, we're the serious Christians. We're the ones that, that really, you know, are... Uh, pleasing to God and there was a time where I thought you know when we started the church and you know was teaching we're you know everybody else is out to lunch you know they're not as good as us they don't teach the word like we do we go through the Bible chapter by chapter verse by verse I think that is a great way you know uh, philosophy of ministry and the best way to grow is going through the word of God and emphasizing the teaching of the word of God but we're not better than anybody else and it has been so freeing to me to not have to, you know, look at them, that church down the street and that big church and that big church and this church and they're doing this and we're better than them and we got the corner on ministry or we really know the philosophy of ministry. No, we're not better than anybody else. And for me to understand this, that I need the Lord and I need to humbly go to him every single day. So every day, Lord, search me and try me. See if there is any wicked way in me and lead me into the way everlasting. Keep pride from just coming into my heart because, Lord, you saved me. You've forgiven me. And you're doing the work through me. So I thank you for that. Father, we do ask that you just bless our day. We thank you for this time in your word. And, Lord, these things we know, but we need to be reminded of it. I need to be reminded of it, how much... That, Lord, um, we need you and we have no reason to be prideful or arrogant. 
but Lord, to humbly serve others, to receive others as, as a child, to be the servant of all, to not think that anything is beneath us in serving others or helping others. And Lord, as a church, that we wouldn't become prideful, thinking we're better than everybody else. Lord, I do believe that we're a great church. But Lord, you're working in other churches as well with other Christians that love you. And we want to stay in our lane. You have us here for a purpose. And Lord, you're doing a work through Calvary Chapel Greeley. And I thank you for that. And I thank you for those who have come out to this class. And I just pray that you just bless everyone here as we continue with our weekend. I thank you for... For those who come and just serve and humbly, it just blesses me to see that. Willing to do whatever. And Lord, to, to wash feet. To go the extra mile. To listen. To get a cup of water for someone who's thirsty. To make meals. To shovel snow and sweep sidewalks. So, Lord, I, I thank you for those who will read to the kids and minister to them. Those who will sit and, and disciple others and counsel others. They're really going through it. I pray that you would keep us just humble before you always and at all, knowing that humility really leads to exaltation. Just as Jesus, as in that portion of Philippians 2, tells us that his name is above every other name. And every knee will bow to him. And Lord, as we come to you, as Revelation 4 says, that we'll cast our crowns back at you. But Lord, the way of the kingdom is to serve others and to be humble. It's the way to greatness. It's not the way of the world. So Lord, again, we thank you for today. Bless everyone here. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. One of the things real quick, um, I'll be here to pray with you or talk with you, if any of you. I've talked with some of you about the ministry here. I, I really want to, and I hope I can articulate this well enough, um, really encourage you that one of the things that over the years that I've learned is, you know, um, and Pastor Ed says this all the time, uh, in Aurora, that the language of ministry is we. And for, I remember when we first started out in ministry, um, you know, back in those days where uh, I was the nursery director, the children's ministry director, the, you know, uh, clean the church and all that, that, because we were small and I just, I just did it, mowed the lawn and everything, and then having other people join. But the Lord's really pressed on my heart to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And that's one of the reasons why we're doing this class. And, and if, if, as you come, you know, the, the church continues to grow. Last week, which is kind of an interesting week because 8 o'clock was full, 9.30 was so packed out, and then 11 o'clock was light, like, you know. And it, you could never figure it out. We had our first accident out in the parking lot. Um, and so what I'm saying is, I just need, we're going to need more help with the people and juggling. And, you know, if later on we do have to add a service, then, then, you know, that's four services. Now, don't go home and say, Pastor Jeff's going to add a fourth service. 
I want to make sure that we're full because that really affects our week and it affects the staff. You know, like Angie that has to staff four services with children's ministry and Celeste and coffee shop. And, but in these different areas of ministry, what I'm saying is we're going to need more help. And the other thing is, you know, in different areas, whether it's not just greeting, it's children's ministry, it's the nursery, it's cleaning, um, it's shoveling snow. Um, and constantly just, you know, we shovel snow and, and do the lawns and all that. So anything that the Lord puts on your heart, really come and talk to me because we want to get you in place and get you scheduled and talk to you about that and encourage you in that ministry um, and whatever the Lord has called you to do. One of the things that the Lord has really put on my heart, and it just I, I felt like the last six months, eight months, almost a year that kind of been spinning my wheels a little, little bit on it, is got a book that's ready to be published, Moving Forward in Difficult Days. And then we want to put this series in book form. And as I've said, I got a, a filing cabinet up there of handwritten notes of all of the Bible, all 66 books, to get those notes out and to get some commentaries out. And I'm not looking at writing ministry books and commentaries like I'm going to write a book, you know, it's it's to be helpful for the body of Christ to, to get that done. So there's a lot of work. It takes a team to do that. And Sam that's been here, he, he really is going to help starting getting that online. And that needs to be my focus in the season that I'm in. It's just trying to get those those teachings out, get some ministry booklets out to encourage people in ministry. Um, I got so many ideas. It's like sometimes my head wants to explode. And to, to just have it available and in the bookstore. And just, you know, I'm not looking to distribute all these books and, and advertise it, but to have it here in little books uh, of ministry and commentaries. And that takes a lot of work. We probably should have started it about 10 years ago. But we didn't. And so just kind of getting the team. I've talked to, to you guys and others about, I get so many requests, I got some this week, of those teachings in Spanish. And trying to get some of that in Spanish. And some of the pastors down in South America and Mexico continue to ask me. And it's just an overwhelming, daunting task that I don't know where to begin. And so that's what we're working on. Could use your prayers in that. And with all the people, if you're here between 9.30 and 11, it is so crowded you can hardly move in this building. You know, I was thankful for Dave. He was here when that accident happened to be a huge help to us. But just increase in security and having people here during the week. I don't, like Pastor John and I are here on Thursday nights when the ladies are, are meeting because we will not have them here alone. And in the youth on, on Wednesday night, we just live in a day where we need to do that. And, um, but I can't be here every night at other times. So any of those interests that we have, we're trying to get it organized. Um, and we're going to start a parking lot ministry now to where we have somebody up, you know, with the vest on up front. And then somebody in this front uh, walkway area, you know, between the the. 8 o'clock after it ends and 9.30 and then after the 9.30 and 11 o'clock because it's so crowded out there in the parking lot. And it, it is what it is. So we want people out there to make sure that, you know, kids are safe. People are walking on, you know, in the parking lot. And it just, 
We want to have that ministry, and the ministries are very, very important. Um, and we've, we've really had um, Angie and Pat uh, Mullins have taken over the greeters and sitting people here, and that has been such a tremendous blessing. So Angie and Barbara can check the kids in and not trying to catch all the new people. It wasn't working because it takes about 0.5 seconds to get from the front door halfway down the hallway. Is really a short distance, and you can miss a family, you can miss people. We got those who are coming in with wheelchairs more and more, and where to place them, what to put them. So that's what, you know, I'm just um, saying that uh, as the Lord puts on your heart those things, you know, even in the coffee shop, if we add another service, the coffee shop, I don't know if we are going to, but... Um, we want to be a little bit proactive on it, not just reactive all the time. And I want to be proactive in some of these other things, you know, the bookstore and um, all those things that need to be done, just looking for those who are willing to come. We got snow coming in on Wednesday um, to help shovel snow um, because I'm getting older and my back's getting weaker. And we do the walks from there all the way down to Texas Roadhouse almost because these guys won't do it. But we cleared them, and we got a snowblower, and and we do that, and then we you know have to get in front of the walk really cleared right away before it gets packed down because of that shadow, and it, it it ices up, and and so there's constant fixing up the building. We use every square inch of this building, um, and it's good. We're going to use it and be thankful and content to what God has given to us, but it gets used a lot, and there's cleaning that needs to be done, um, you know, spots in the carpet, uh, all these different things. And, you know, whatever the Lord puts on your heart in helping with that. And almost like Tuesdays is studies, Wednesdays youth, Thursdays study, young adults Friday nights, Saturdays sometimes there's groups that meeting here, Sunday mornings, it constantly is being used, which I'm very grateful for because some churches only use their church on Sunday morning. And we're going to continue to do that. But, you know, things break and, and things get spilled and, and all those different things. So we will try to, I'm going to try to do better at letting the needs uh, be known, what we need here, um, what we need to move forward in different areas and what the Lord has put on your heart. But what I'm saying is there's ministry to do. And um, and I want to encourage you in that. And do the, doing the ministry is such a tremendous joy, and we're going to talk about that next week. It, it is so joyous, and I think the longer that I do it, it's like, Lord, thank you that I get to be here with God's people, and I get to serve, and I, I get excited on Sunday mornings. I really do, because, I, you know, it's like, Lord, what are you going to do today? We want to have, you know, more prayer teams. I want to be more intentional on Sunday mornings about people making a decision for the Lord and bringing them up and following up. And and we have those going through the Biblical Counseling Academy to do counseling, um, all kinds of different things that, you know, the, that God is is putting on our hearts and wants to raise up people for that work of the ministry. And uh, so be in prayer and be you know, talk with me about it uh, as the Lord lays on your heart. We'll try to get going on some of these things. And um, it's, it's, it is what it is, sometimes feeling a little slow, and but moving forward, trying to figure it out. And, and 
uh, we will do that. But what a time to be ministering. Um, and I was you know, talking to Dave about this before service, but it really is. I think about what it was like 20 years ago. The world is so different today. And they had, um, you know, one of the things that we kind of look for, what are the trends coming in our nation and what we're seeing with, you know, getting further away from the Lord. One proposal came through Nebraska state legislature to outlaw doing vacation Bible school, doing Bible camps, youth camps, any of those things. Now, it's not going to pass, but this is what was brought up. Uh, because of the transgender, you know, uh, agenda, and they're against that, and so we don't want those kids learning about the Lord and all of this, and so somebody proposed it. It's not going to pass, but I think how long before those things do? And those things come to pass, and uh, one of the things that that we're being more proactive even that you're going to see is when the kids are using the bathroom, the adults have got to wait during service and we're trying to figure that all out and you know there's issues that you never really thought about it's not going to be perfect because people come in they're coming in from Wiggins they're coming in from different places you know they, they got to go but when service starts you know until the time that we end they're going to be monitored a little bit more just for safety there hasn't been a problem or anything like that but we're just being more proactive we just live in a different day and age and um, just, you know, for, for those things to happen, and we're getting kind of a plan and, and working with security, but the check-in people, uh, we all want to be on the same page. But those are the things that we're thinking about, the things that we're doing. And, um, it, you know, it's exciting. It's just uh, as more people come, um, we do services 52 weeks out of the year. It isn't like, oh, we're going to take the month of July off. <laughs> it's every Sunday. It has to be staff and, then, and the volunteers and stuff. So, um, and, and so if the, as the Lord is leading you to do that, uh, we want to, um, you know, those who are good at computers and podcasting and all these things, um, the Calvary Live, Ed was telling me that it's like in one of the, the podcasts, top 2%. Of Christian podcasts, and so a lot of people are listening to it. Um, and w- we have our online, um, you know, listening, whether it's live stream or whatever, that has greatly increased uh, over the last year, particularly over the last six months. So you know, we're excited about these things. We want to c- capture it, not to, like I said, advertise Calvary Chapel Greeley, but Advertise the Lord and give people the word of God because that, that's what they need and good, solid teaching. And that's getting maybe a little bit more challenging for people to find. Um, I don't know. But we'll, we'll do it as God wants to use us and move forward in those things. So be in prayer, okay? And as the Lord leads you, you know, um, in any of those things, let us know. And... We want to move forward with you and encourage you. And I want to stay focused on what the Lord has me to do. And um, in the years ahead, I'm going to keep teaching, be here as long as, you know, I can. I got breath. Um, But I'm not going to last forever. Okay.
and we want to pour into the younger generation. We want to give them a reason to be here. And where I see churches die, and I don't mean to keep you guys, it'll just be a couple minutes, where churches die is when they don't invest when they're young people. They don't give them any reason to come. And it's like, this is the way we do it. We do it this way. And, and pretty soon it's just all gray hair. When there's a balance of gray hair that gives wisdom and, and, and compassion and support to young people and then the young people that come up and are learning from them and um, excited about ministry, they bring in energy. I love it. I really do. And um, then that's a healthy church. But for the next generation, and because if the Lord tarries 20 years, 30 years, I'm probably not going to be around. But I want those who are growing up in the church and those who are here to be excited for ministry. And, you know, it blesses me to see Luke using them in worship. And, and listen, it, it, it's not going to be perfect. I made a, you know, I wasn't trying to figure it out. We'll guide them and direct them, but we got to let them grow, okay, and encourage them and bless them. And, um, and that, again, is something that the Lord has put on my heart. You know, there's some really neat young people here that love Jesus and want to serve him. And that was such an encouragement when I was, you know, down in South America and Mexico. All the young people were like, I'll go. I'll go in the jungles. We have... Andrew, who's going to be planting a church in the Amazon. That's from this church. He went to South America to Peru with the young adults, what, four or five years ago? He never came back. He stayed down there. And he's come back to visit his family, but he's planting a church. We're supporting that. And, and Barbara, we need to get that video on of Hill and Jenny that we support that church plant there. God, God wants to do so much, and we get to be a part of it, and I want you guys to be excited about it. What God is doing here, and, and the radio, it's just been amazing, the, the feedback. I had an 83-year-old man call this week and said, I just happened to find the radio program, and I was so blessed and um, you know, so encouraged, and I'm at home, and I got health problems, and it's like he was so thankful for that. So God's using us. You know, and he wants to continue to use us in these last days. And we all have a part, part of the body of Christ, to serve and to, you know, when there is unity, we'll learn in Philippians is when there's humility. When we humble ourselves and come together in one heart, one accord, putting our agendas aside and saying, Lord, what do you want to do? Because I believe he, he wants to bring revival before he comes back. I, I I pray it's done. I don't know. The Lord could come back today. But we are here for such a time as this. And uh, we have opportunity to serve him. And I'll tell you what, it will bring joy to you and real purpose and satisfaction and fulfillment. It's not always easy, you know, but it's, it's just wonderful to be able to serve the Lord in whatever he has you to do and move forward in it and move forward in humility and in confidence in the Lord and Enjoy it. You know, enjoy him. You know, enjoy putting the communion cups together, you know, and helping with men's breakfasts and ladies' breakfasts and, you know, those who are coming in and just constantly cleaning and those who are, 
you know, this spring will be mowing and fixing things. That means so much to me. I want this place to be clean when people come in. I, I want things to look good in what we have and, you know, fixing holes in the walls and, you know, chairs that fall apart and things like that. Tremendous blessing. So, all right, I said enough. <laughs> Serve the Lord. Serve him where he asks you, you know. Amen? Okay, guys, have a great day. I'm here to pray with any of you. Or Thanks for coming. Two more weeks. So...